Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and this is Case 17, Seance 9. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian as Ben. The magic will be mine. All of the magic. Lupine as Rosa. As long as there's no clowns. And Matt as Diego. Anybody seen my welder? Anybody? Damn. During our last session, we reacquainted ourselves with Ben, Rosa, and Diego, who have grown four years older since the Camp Mulholland incident, casting away most of the concerns of adolescence and now leaning into adulthood in a lot of different ways. They attend Greyheart Academy now, thanks to a generous bequest from the last will and testament of Alden August, and will be graduating in mere months. To pick up extra cash during their final semester, they've been working part-time for Eugene Eubanks at Odeon Studios. And on one fateful day, they've stumbled upon an old movie reel, which contains disturbing footage of a film shoot gone horribly awry. As the three of you remain seated in the rundown viewing room on the fifth floor of Odeon Studios, Stunned gazes still glued to the empty screen, Harcourt stops the projector and turns up the lights. Ben, alone in the front row, can almost feel all eyes slowly turn toward him, fixed on the back of his neck. The unbroken silence seems to wait for his reaction to what everyone else just witnessed. I can feel your looks, okay? You're burning a hole through the back of my head. Uh, guys, didn't, didn't I tell you it was that was wild, right? Uh, it's a solid 6 out of 10. There wasn't really any character development. Did that guy look like me? Yeah, that's why I wanted you to see it. The guy's a spitting image, right, guys? I mean, we didn't even really get names for any of those characters. I mean, I, I have no emotional attachment to them. How am I supposed to know how to feel... If we don't develop those relationships first. Did anybody recognize the accent that he had? Let's watch it again. From the top. Oh, you guys want to watch it again? Respool it. We could. I'm curious. I, I would like to see it again. I, I need to hear the voice. So he goes back and respools it into the projector. Goes back and turns off the lights. All right. You guys ready? Got your junior mints? I got my moonier gents. I got milk duds. And Harcourt flips the switch. And the movie begins to play yet again. You see the same thing happen where the people are sort of sitting at the table, getting ready for the scene. You see the clapboard come through. And then the scene begins to take place. And as soon as the older lady who has a sequin turban begins to act strangely, one of her eyes rolls up into her head. The film burns at that point. And Harcourt leaps up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And turns off the projector. You can smell the singe of celluloid. Harcourt, you burned it. Mr. Eubanks is going to be so mad. Roll that back. Just slowly. I can't do it. It's going to burn. I just want to see one thing. Guys, why don't we just use the light box downstairs? 
Good idea. Then we can look at every frame. And leads you guys down to the second floor where there is a an editing suite. It's very ramshackled. It's just basically like an old workbench that has a place where you can run the uh, film through and then snip it and tape it if there is some sort of damage to it. Eugene really hasn't shown you guys how to use this, but Harcourt in particular knows about this. It's not difficult. It's basically just you spool it through a lit surface over the top of it and you use a loop, an eyepiece to look at the uh, actual frame. So who wants to, who wants to, I guess you do, don't you, Diego? I do. I now need fan art of Diego with a loop, please. Harcourt reluctantly says, uh, which half do you want to see? Uh, I, I need the, the shorter half, the one that, that, that did go through before it split. Okay, and he holds on to the canister with the rest of the film and hands you the portion that had already played. I'm going to take it and spool it through the light box and grab the the loop that's sitting next to it. I'm going to kind of slowly go through it until I find a frame with a clear shot of the clapboard in it. I want to stop and I want to see if I can read any information off the clapboard, the the name of the production, the producer, filming dates, anything like that. Oh yeah, Diego, that's smart. For the most part, you can read production, seance nine. The director is S. Schlesinger. Camera is O. Butler. Scene 23, take 9. Date, April 30, 1962. So as he's calling them out because he's looking, I write it down for him. Uh, are you done? I gotta figure out some way to tape this thing together. The Eubanks is gonna kill me. Harcourt, can I please see the guy that looks like me? Is that okay? Of course, of course. Here. And he hands it over to you. And I'm going to take the uh, second half reel and I'm going to feed it through and just kind of start one eye on the film scrolling through the the footage until I find a point where we can see that guy's face. And yeah, it's it's basically right at the end and you get a really good view. If you were a betting man, you would say that is Ben in that shot. Not tamales. I'm going to hand him the loop and scoot off to the side so he can he can take a look. I'm going to take a peek. Why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden? I needed a 45. I rolled a 74. And now I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. Oh, I needed a 40. I rolled an 85. Go ahead and roll D4, please. One. All right. So you will take one sanity damage no matter how hard you look at this image. It seems to be you looking back with that dead stare. And that unnerves you to such an extent that you're involuntarily leaning away from the light box with the loop in your eye, and you pull the film strip out of the light box brackets, and you tip backwards onto the floor off the chair. I'm going to try and catch him as he starts going down. Harcourt does the same thing, and between the two of you guys, you do that thing where you're like, oh, you got him? No, no, I thought you had him. And then he just falls onto his back. Sorry. And I just stand and watch. Rosa, why didn't you catch Ben? That was clearly your job here. Oops, sorry. Diego and Harcourt scramble to try to get you back up to your feet. I'm start mumbling under my breath. Dad? Is it? No, I can't. Is it dad? What, what's wrong, Ben? What? What happened? No, you, you, you were saying something about your dad. I was? You fell out of the chair like a boob. Why, why did I fall out of the chair? 
I don't know. One minute she was looking at the film, the next thing you went onto the floor. Like a boob. Do boobs fall out of chairs? Because I have never seen this live show. You only took one sanity damage. What was I saying? You guys heard it too, right? He was saying something about his dad. What about your dad, Ben? I'm the one in the group with daddy issues. They can't have two. I don't really know my dad. Okay. Hey, Diego, how old do you think that guy was in the that looked kind of like me? Did look like you. Yeah, that's the weird part. This is what we say, 1962? Yeah. I was two, guys. If that clapperboard's right. What do you make of this? We got the name of the film, right? Yeah. So let's see if it got if it ever got made or who's that other actors? We we, we can talk to them. Good idea, Rosa. Maybe uh Mr. Eubanks has has info. I got his phone number. He said to call if there was any issues. Yeah, let's call him and see. Maybe he knows the name of the movie and he can remember where it came from. Rosa, why don't you go do that? Okay. Rosa, don't mention anything happened with it, okay? Just let him know I found it. Okay. I'm going to go down to Eugene's office. Yep, there's a phone there. Does he have, like, any Rolodex or anything? Yeah, absolutely. He's got a big old-fashioned Rolodex there. I would like to look through the Rolodex and see if I see either of those two last names. Okay, Schlesinger or Butler. Mm-hmm. Great, we'll leave you there while you're doing that. Harcourt is taking Diego to one side while Ben is essentially trying to compose himself a bit. What's up with this? Is he okay? I've never seen him so rattled. Not since Mulholland, you know. Uh, clearly you didn't see him last week when he didn't study for the chemistry test. Uh, we've already established that Rosa has a roommate in the dorms. Uh, I don't think we've established what that roommate's name is yet. We'll think about that. But are you and Harcourt dorm roomies? Of course. Makes the most sense to me. And uh, Ben, do you have a, do you have a roomie? Oh, that's a great question. I had a roommate, um, but he got kicked out. And here's the thing. Two other students joined halfway through the semester. I think they still think that I have a roommate, so I'm not saying anything so I can have all the space. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Harcourt's like, do you think we should, like, invite him back to our room after this and make sure he's going to be okay? Bow chick, wow, wow. Might have to buy him a drink first. (laughs) I don't know, I just, it seems weird. I know he's rooming by himself now. I don't know, he just seemed a little off there. Yeah, we might want to keep an eye on him for a bit longer just to make sure that... Take him back, we'll make him some pizza rolls. And, you know, yeah, we... Totino's, right? They existed in 1978, right? I don't know, man. I wasn't around. Uh, Diego, between you and me, he said his dad. Is that his dad? Do you know who his dad is? No, he never really talked about his dad. I heard about his mom, but nothing really about the other half. Oh, hey, Ben, 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 you feel okay? Yeah, I'm feeling much better. I'm not still quite sure why I fell on the floor, but you said I was saying dad? Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what you were saying, dad. That's so weird. It's something about your father, I don't know. I don't know about this movie, and like, maybe it's cursed or something. Well, the only other person I... That I think that would look like me would probably be my dad, but it, he wasn't that young. Where Where is he now? Uh, I, I don't really know. Guys, there's something written on this reel canister. What do you make of this, Diego? He hands over the canister. On the exterior, there's a piece of tape that just says number nine. I mean, this says number nine. The clapboard said the film was called Seance Nine. I guess you're right. Is there anything else on the uh, film canister that we can still make out? Uh, nothing on the exterior, no. I'm going to quickly 
pop open the lid and look on the inside, see if they maybe left any kind of notes or labeling on the inside of the canister. So you pop open the uh, canister, and on the very center of it is what appears to be some sort of label that had been affixed, a very small label about three by three, and had once upon a time been glued to the interior, but is now folded over going to unfold it and see if I can't read the label. It is partially peeled away, but it's also quite old. And uh, you can just make out property of Platinum Pictures Limited, 7758 Sunset Boulevard, North Hollywood. Say, Harcourt, what do you know about this Platinum Pictures? Never heard of them. Damn, it was worth a try. So Rosa, you're flipping through the Rolodex trying to find Schlesinger or Butler. Go ahead and give me a uh, library use is nice. Yay! 30 under 50 is a success. No, you do not find anything uh, under Schlesinger or Butler. But because you did roll a success, uh, you do find the business card, actually, to Star Theater. And on the back of this card, looks like Eugene had written handwritten on the back in quotation marks, Bosco, B-O-S-C-O. And in parentheses below that, he's written free popcorn. I am going to call Mr. Eubanks. And the uh, phone on the other end rings about three times. You're just about ready to give up when you hear a sort of jangle and somebody swearing on the other end and something clattering. And then you hear a dog yapping in the background. And then out of breath, you hear Eugene on the other end. Yeah, 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 what's up? Uh, uh, who is this? Uh, it's Eugene. I mean, you're not Eugene. I'm Eugene. Hi, Mr. Eubanks. It's Rosa Garcia from down at the studio. Oh, God, is it happening? Uh, is it the feds? Are they, are they raiding? No, it's it's just, you told Harcourt to look for some movie, right? Well, no, not exactly. I just said, uh, he seems up there cleaning, right? What, d- did it burn down? Oh, my God. Oh, no, no, no. He he said you told him to look for some movie, and he was looking through old canisters, and he found one that he thought he thought was the right one. I guess he got mixed up or something. He watched a little bit of it. We were just curious because we thought we recognized where it was sat. Movie called Seance 9. Just let me think here for a second. Um, okay, uh, n- number one, please tell me. The feds aren't there, right? The feds are not here. Because if they were, you couldn't say that out loud. So we're good. The feds did not raid the studio. By law, they would have to say something into the phone like, we are feds and we are here. Good. We're on the same page. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Anyways, Hakov wants some kind of film, huh? Seance 9? That, why does that sound so familiar? He thought a real... He thought it was the one you were looking for, I guess. Uh, no, I, I just told him to clean the fucking place up. You know, oh, you know what? I bet you that there was a bunch of stuff. I picked up like couple years ago from Dickie Evans over at Platinum Pictures and he had some random stuff and I thought maybe I could use it at some point for some stock footage. Yeah, well, what about it? We were curious who had been in it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe talk to Dickie Evans. Dickie Evans at Platinum Pictures. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys about done there? Because I can't pay overtime. Yeah, we're almost done. Okay, everything's good. You got everything all squared away over there? Yep, all good. All right, well, make sure to lock up. And uh, if you see any, like, unmarked cars that parked out front. Flippin' bird, yep. Fl- yeah, oh, no, <laughs> I did that once. And, yeah, I don't want to spend a night in another clink like that. Just be careful. Will do. And there's nothing hidden under the floorboards for anybody listening. No nothing. I know nothing about that thing that happened five years ago downstate. Okay. Okay, good night, Rosa. Good night. I'm going to go look under the floorboards. <laughs> every floorboard. <laughs> yes. He's going to come back and every single floor of the place is going to be rubbed up. 
So I guess I'm going to go back to everybody. Looks like Ben's a bit more self-composed now. They are putting the film back into the canister. They've taped it together, wound it back up on the original reel. Harcourt actually has it tucked underneath his arm right now. He wants to run it back upstairs and put it back where he found it. Sounds like a good idea. Rose, did you, did you find anything out? Okay, so Mr. Mr. Eubank said he got it from a guy named Dickie Evans at a Platinum Pictures. Diego, Platinum Pictures. I mean, that was on the inside of the film canister, so that would uh, make sense. We have a lead. Um, since I know nothing about California geography, how far are we actually from Hollywood? Not too, not too far from where we're at. Guys, uh, it's getting after nine. I, I've got to examine the morning. Uh, Diego, are you ready to go home? Let's get out of here. Any of you guys want to go out to uh, North Hollywood tomorrow, catch the bus, and and see if we can go to Platinum Pictures after school? We got the day off. I got plans. I got stuff to do. So uh, I think maybe Diego and I could figure it out ourselves. We could go. If you guys think you're okay with that. We got a plan, guys. I'm going to miss the last bus, guys. It's at 9.05. Okay, have fun walking. Oh, no. I'm running out the door, and I forget the thing I left by the door, the book. It'll be safe and secure for you on Wednesday. (laughs) Okay, awesome. So we'll go ahead and take you guys back to the dorm room. Basically, you've had quite the day. You've uh, had a couple hours of working and and sort of pleasing Eugene. And then, of course, that odd film. Each of you has a nightmare that evening. Why don't we start with Ben? Ben, let's talk about the nightmare you're having. At first, it's really dark. I'm feeling around to turn on a light. I, I, can't, I don't know where I'm at. What's going on? And all of a sudden, boom, all these lights are on all over the place. People are walking really fast around me like, all right, got to get that down. Don't forget to tape that cable down over there. Make sure the camera's in the right spot. Where is she? Where is she? I'm not sure what's going on, but I just go where they tell me to go, and I, and I sit down in the chair. And then I realize I'm in the movie. I'm, I'm in the damn movie. I don't say a word. I just I just sit there, and it plays out just like we watched. And in the middle of the table is the Ouija board. Except it is not square like most Ouija boards that you've seen. It is completely circular. It's divided into four different sections, all of which are identical. And a planchette on each of the four sections turned pointing at each of the participants of the seance. And slowly you lift your eyes because these figures, three other figures seated next to you and across from you, are all cloaked in shadow. And you reach forward tentatively to put your fingertips on the planchette. Simultaneously, the three shadowy figures do the same, leaning forward into the small ring of light casts from the bulb overhead and they are each you but not you they look just slightly different than you they are identical in every way but there's just something fake about how they look like you almost as if they're trying to look like you And that's when you wake up, looking for the light switch in the dark. No more edibles before bed. And Harcourt, who has been sitting watch over you, gives a snort, 
from the chair where he's accidentally fallen asleep. And your startled awakening causes him to fall from the chair, slide down and thump heavily onto the ground. Oh, God, Ben, ben are you okay? Oh, jeez. Yeah, are, are you okay? I was just having a strange dream. I, oh, God, my butt. Oh, my butt hurts. Ow. From your dream? No, from falling, you idiot. I had a weird dream, too. Oh, about the elephants? About the movie. I guess the movie was in there, too, some way. But I had elephants. I don't know why. But you, you feeling okay? I'm wide awake now, but... You want to play slapjack? Yeah, we might as well. Go get him. Jack, get in here. <laughs> Mother... At Jack, Jack Daniels. Rosa, how does your dream begin? I'm sitting on the hill with Cece. And actually, Cece has her head in my lap. We're like sort of looking up at the clouds. And then all of a sudden, I get this feeling something has changed. And so I look down where Cece was, but there's just a Ouija board. I don't know why it's there. And then all of a sudden, I look up and... All of a sudden, I'm seated at a table, and I'm looking at the woman in the sequined turban. I know exactly what's going to happen, but I can't say anything. I can't do anything. The sequined turbaned lady who is looking directly across the table at you, deeply into your eyes. Her eyes are bright blue, something that didn't come across in the film because it was black and white. And her dark sequin gown and matching turban are a deep amethyst color. You're somewhat taken aback because what seemed so drab on film is bursting with color and liveliness here. But because you know what is about to happen to her, you feel overriding sense of dread. Her fingertips are on the planchette in the middle of the table, and she raises her right arm and points directly at you. You try to shrink away, but can't move. And her mouth, which is already beginning to split at the corners, opens, and she says... You are the vessel. And that's when the thing emerges from her mouth. And you wake up. You're breathing heavily in bed. And you can hear your roommate. Cassidy. Is a little disturbed, but simply turns over in her bed, faces the wall, and goes back to sleep. And in that moment... You've never felt so alone. So, Diego, how does your nightmare begin? So this nightmare begins much in the same way that pretty much all of my nightmares have began since Kent Mulholland, with me alone in the dark and in the fog in the central gathering area of the camp with all the buildings around me and behind me and the lakeshore in front of me sometime late at night. The moon is high in the sky, but you don't get a whole lot of light from it because it's really foggy. I can see shapes just shambling in the distance, but none of them ever come close enough for me to identify. And then as I'm standing there thinking to myself, okay, we've done this before. Just remember what they talk to you about in therapy. None of this is real. Uh, That's when things start changing from what I'm used to. 
at this point, Brigitte uh, steps out of the, the medical cabin, but this time she has something tucked under her arm. Can't quite tell what it is yet, but it looks kind of like a wooden plank. She starts slowly making her way over to me, and as she gets closer, I can see there's a larger lumbering shape in the fog just slowly slinking along behind her. She comes up to me in the clearing without saying anything, just looks down and grabs the board and turns it out, and it's the the Ouija board that we saw in the film. And she hands it to me, and she's looking at me and at it, and I can see from the look she's giving in her eyes that there's something that she wants to say, that there's something that she's trying to figure out how to say. There's a little bit of panic in there. She's saying there, I'm like, what's going on? What's this? Why are you giving me this? And as she goes to open her mouth to explain what's going on, why this dream is different, why she's handing me this board, that lumbering creature turns out to be Mother Father, who very abruptly and violently reaches out a tentacle, wraps it around her head, and yanks her back into the fog before she can say anything. And you feel the weight of the Ouija board under your arm and the planchette you've been gripping very tightly. It's going to leave a mark on your palm. And then in your ear, you feel the brush of whiskers and Peter's voice says very loudly, You're not dreaming, mate. And that's when you wake up in bed. Harcourt isn't there because you know that he was keeping watch over Ben. You are actually almost due to go swap places with him, take a shift. But your hand, your left hand that had held the planchette in the dream aches. And you open it half expecting to see cuts or bruises from where the shape of it made an indentation in your skin. But there's nothing there. No redness. No nothing. Just the ache. When Tuesday morning comes around, it's warm, sunny. There's a slight breeze. It's a really beautiful day in Southern California. Despite that, all three of you are feeling a little drained because you did not get a fantastic night of sleep. Sluggish, and you don't really remember the details clearly of your dreams. They're just sort of vague impressions of unease. And the day proceeds pretty much as how you would uh, expect. You go to classes, meet up for lunch. Harcourt is clearly not feeling great. Maybe he had a little too much slapjack. But he says after lunch he's feeling a bit off, so he goes back to the dorm room and begs off his afternoon classes. And then uh, basically it's the end of the school day around 4 o'clock. Thankfully, or unthankfully, Ben, Lindsay says she has to beg off tonight because she has a paper assignment, an assignment for the newspaper, it's very hush hush. You can't tell you anything, but maybe later. Okay, okay, I get it. I understand. But you know, maybe, maybe tomorrow night after work. You know, maybe we can go out for pizza or something. I don't know. Yes, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about if I pick you up? I'm pretty heavy, but you can try. I know you really like taking the bus and everything, but I mean, I've got a car. 
Yeah, I think that's great. That'd be awesome. Bye, Ben. She gives you a little peck on the cheek. I kiss her hair by accident. (laughs) Diego, you head back to your uh, dorm room, and Harcourt's in bed. I'm going to very slowly sneak up to him in bed, get over, and I'm going to quickly grab him and shake him, be like, oh my god, the building's on fire, get out! And and he jumps up dressed in uh, underwear, and uh, he he scatters around in a quick circle, and then he's like, oh, not again. Yeah, Diego, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude. Ah, every time. Oh, God. What would I miss? Anything in class important? Nah. You know how those classes are. Kids don't care. Teachers don't care. Nobody wants to work anymore. Supply chain issues. I got it. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Put some pants on. And Platinum Pictures is waiting. Uh, Diego, would you mind just going by yourself tonight? I'm just, I'm really not feeling so good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you're not feeling well, uh, I think I can probably find Ben to go with me. I knew Chili Dogs was a bad idea. <sighs> That's why I stick to pizza. You know you can put pizza on a bagel nowadays? What is that lunch lady? What, does she have a vendetta against me? Doesn't she know I have like a, a very sensitive stomach? She serves it with a toilet brush. I'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right. I will uh, fill you in on what we find. Okay. Or, you know, don't. I don't care. Good night. <laughs> Grab my jacket. See if I can't go find Ben. See if he wants to join me on my trip to Platinum Pictures. I wasn't listening at the door. Yeah, I'll join. Yeah. Uh. Oh, whoa. I uh, did not see you there. Yeah, my girl canceled on me, so. Uh, so, uh, we want to take the bike? Uh, oh boy. I have to have the helmet. You and your helmets. Nobody wears a helmet when they're riding a bike, man. I'm not riding the bike. I'm grabbing on and holding on for dear life. Look, it's perfectly possibly safe. Have you seen how much traffic's in L.A.? There's like two to three cars every minute. The bike is small enough that I can, like, in between the cars. It's really efficient. So safe. Well, if I can have a helmet, then we can take the bike. How's that? Uh, fine. I'm going to open the door back into the dorm room real quick and just kind of reach in around the door. And I'm going to come back out with like a like a, a pink like girl's bicycle helmet. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. So are you guys heading to uh, Platinum Pictures located at 7758 Sunset Boulevard, North Hollywood? Yes, we are. So you guys head on down, zooming through traffic on your mini bike. Zoom wasn't invented yet. And uh, Rosa, I believe Cece was going to pick you up at the dorm and and you guys were going to head to the hill. The hill. To basically spy on and bust people who sneak there and make out. Because we weren't sneaking there. Cece pulls up right on time. Hey, you ready? Hey, yeah. Let's go. What are you wearing? What? What don't you like? No, I like it. I'm just, this is kind of a covert operation. Just check my satchel bag. I got like a hoodie in there that you can use. Okay. And some dark glasses too. Yeah. Because this is covert, right? Right. We're going to catch those people. Oh man, they're never going to know where to hit them. They, yeah. they won't see us coming. It's going to be so much fun. And she peels out, does a little bit of a wheelie on the way out, beeps her horn at some kids who won't get the fuck out of the way, and heads to the hill. You guys uh, park at the base of the hill. Now, the hill is actually a few acres of parkland that is gently sloping up. There are some houses around the base of it. It's got a lot of rocky outcroppings, a lot of places where you could tuck yourself away and have some privacy. Uh, Cece locks up her bike, takes your hand, and starts pulling you in the direction of some bushes. They hide in there all the time. Oh, my God. Now, just be real, real quiet. And 
It's still warm. It's still quite sunny. And actually, the hoodie is a little warm. Mm -hmm. And you both approach this clump of bushes. Cece puts her hand up, puts up three fingers, and then starts to count them down. And when she gets to one, she leaps forward and parts the bushes. And there's nobody there. Damn. This is just one. Follow me. Right up there. Those rocks over there. Mm -hmm. Weaving and bobbing up the hill to get to that one particular location. And now you're starting to get a little perspiring. It is probably in the upper 70s at this point. The sun is beating down. Not in a bad way. It's actually quite pleasant. She gets to the base of the rocks and beckons you forward. And then she points to herself and then points to her left and then points at you. And then points to the right. Okay. And then she begins to creep slowly in the other direction. Classic pincer movement. Yeah, she actually makes the little crab sign. <laughs> I'm squishing your head. I will do as she commands. Oh, Captain, my Captain. And then she leaps forward and you leap forward. And there's nobody there. What the fuck? This place is usually hopping. Cece, it's such a nice day. We could just like lay and just hang out and talk and stuff. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Now that I think about it, this is a really nice place right here behind these rocks. Right. Look at the clouds. They're so pretty. Oh, yeah. Probably can see them a little better if we lay down. And she takes off her jacket and lays it on the ground and then plops down, uses her arm to prop up her head. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to take off the sweatshirt, which I'm very excited about taking off. She watches you intently. What are you looking at? I guess I'm seeing a spy defrock herself. Oh, yeah. You did pretty good back there, by the way. Thanks. You too. Well, I've had practice, you know. I, Ooh, tell me about it. Here, lay down. And I do. I'll tell you what. I'm thirsty. Are you thirsty? Yeah. I'll be right back. Okay. I'll wait here. And she stands up and runs down the hill towards where you know there is a crick at the base of the hill. And you're watching her. She disappears into the foliage next to the stream and a few moments goes by you're looking you kind of lost where she went in at and then you notice the clouds which are very similar to the ones that you now remember dreaming about last night oh shit this was what i was doing when in my dream and you're becoming slightly uneasy but Thankfully, you don't see any clouds that are in, let's say, the shape of a planchette. That would freak me out. And then you see her reappear at the base of the hill and is racing back up towards you. She's got her sleeves rolled up. Her pants sleeves are rolled up, too. And she's carrying, in one hand, her shoes. And in the other hand, what look like two bottles of pop. So she races up. She's got a big, wide smile on her face. The hair near her ears is slightly wet from perspiration. And she reaches you, throws down her shoes, and then plops down right next to you. And she's breathing a little bit heavy. Sorry, I had to fish a little bit deep for these. What do you prefer, red or white? Uh, white. And she extends a bottle to you. And it is a half bottle 375 milliliters of white wine from giallo winery oh wow did you have them buried in the creek yeah just you know don't ask me where i got them i can move a little stealthy here and there when i need to yeah okay i just thought it should be nice and cool from the creek awesome cheers she taps your bottle with her bottle and takes a big swig 
have a drink of the white wine. It's quite delicious, especially on this very warm day, in this particular place, in this particular company. Mm -hmm. The white wine hits you, it just tastes like velvet gold. It immediately hits your palate and coats your tongue, and the buzz of alcohol lights something in your brain. Mm -hmm. It makes everything just seem so much more vibrant and alive. And Cece starts laughing, giggling a little bit. Good, right? Good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you like rosé? Sure. All right, you take a swig and I'll take a swig of mine. Don't swallow. Mm -hmm. Okay, and she takes a big swig. And then she leans in toward you, looking into your eyes. We're going to do the mouth thing. Smiling, she plants her lips on yours. And slowly opens her mouth. And the red wine flows between you. And together you make rosé. Oh, I feel like I need a cigarette. <clears throat> Hold on. She reaches into the crick and pulls out a box of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Chilled cigarettes. <laughs> Nothing better than a good be nice crick cold. cigarette. <laughs> oh, yeah. She reluctantly pulls her lips from yours. Leans in to whisper in your ear, Cat, that's my name. Oh. Call me Cat. Okay. I'll be CC to everybody else, but to you, I'm Cat. My name's Rosa. <laughs> oh, no. Your name's Rosé. Oh, yeah. Rosé. Those are secret names Cat and Rosé. So, yeah, you guys can spend as much time there as you'd like get smashed on the hill just getting to know each other better on the hill where absolutely no one else is and you have the evening to spend until twilight descends and the stars begin to appear above as you reluctantly make your way back down to the scooter just for a moment you glance back to where that clump of bushes is towards the stream where she had disappeared and then emerged from to get the wine. And you think you see a flash of sequined amethyst. But then the wind gusts, moving the leaves, and you realize it was only a shadow from the dying sunlight. You get a weird sense of deja vu. Cat's like, let's go get some pizza. Yeah, that sounds great. And the two of you roar away into the night. Ben and Diego, you make your way to 7758 Sunset Boulevard. It is a small office building squatting at the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Ogden Drive. There are tall urns at the entrance filled with colorful geraniums. And inside, the plate glass window lets natural light stream in to illuminate pleasantly pale marigold painted walls and an open space filled with more potted flowers, comfortable Scandinavian furniture, and an office space barely separated by a series of waist-high cases stacked with film history books. Simple, stainless steel block letters mounted on the back wall proclaim this austere but welcoming space to be Platinum Pictures Limited. And as you guys go inside, the little bell above the door goes, and you see this uh, silver-haired lady rise from the back of the room where the desk is in the office space. And she smooths her business suit and comes around looking at you curiously. Well, hello, honeys. What can I do you young men for? Well, hi. How are you doing today? Just fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, was there some business you wish to conduct here? 
Uh, yes, uh, we're working with Mr. Eubanks over at uh, Odeon Studios. Oh, yes, I know Mr. Eubanks. Yes. Oh, uh, by the way, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Nancy Evans. Nice to meet you. Uh, what, what's your name? Nice to meet you, Nancy. My name is Ben. Ben. Ben, nice to meet you. And you, young man? And this is Diego. He's a mute. I hear them more and more of them these days after the atom bomb. We are uh, actually researching a film that we found in storage, and it had... This address on it and the name Dickie Evans. Dickie was my husband. Uh, I'm his widow. Oh, I am so sorry. No, it's it's fine. It's it's been a year now. So we found a, a canister for a, a film called Seance Nine. My involvement with uh, Platinum Pictures has only been recent, ever since Dickie died. Uh, so I'm not aware of his productions that he may have had previous to my taking over the business. Uh, Seance Nine, you say? Uh, I, I suppose I could look at my files. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have any like records or files on, on past productions, um, Mr. Eubanks has somebody coming in uh, coming into town, and uh, the, he wanted to, to show him this, so he uh, sent us out to uh, make sure we have the whole story on everything, you know? Why don't you boys have a seat? Uh, would you like some coffee? or? Uh... Yeah, I would love a cup of coffee, please. Cream, sugar? No, thanks, sweetie. Just black. All right, black coffee for you. For you, young man? One of the same, please. Men after my own taste. Very nice. All right, I'll be right back. And she goes back to a uh, a very nice uh, stainless steel coffee maker, electric, and pours three cups of coffee, puts one on her desk, and then brings the other two up for you. And uh, there are some uh, sugar cookies right over there on the uh, coffee table. Help yourselves. Thank you so much. And she goes back to the file cabinets and begins rifling through. What was this film uh, regarding, anyways? Uh, from what we saw, it was some sort of scene where I'm assuming the main character the main cast were sitting at a table with a medium who was um using a uh a luigi board of sorts to to contact some spirits it's about all the film we had we only found the the one reel that does sound like something dickie might have produced because trust me back then he would do anything for a buck and that sounds like exactly the kind of schlock that he used to do now we don't do that anymore here we try to keep it a little more proper but dickie he would chase the dollar i tell you what How's the coffee, by the way? Oh, it's, it's absolutely lovely. Thank it's very you. good. Thank you so much. Uh, you said seance nine, right? Not like the German nine, but the number nine. The number nine. Now, boys, I am not seeing anything here under that name. I'm, I do apologize. It's possible uh, he didn't keep very good records back then. There was uh, one other name. Uh, something Butler? An O? Is it an O Butler? Oh, O Butler. Oh, yeah. Owen Butler. I know of him. Yeah, Dickie had some doings with him early on, sure. Is he still around, do you know? Can we talk to him? I'm pretty sure he works for Love Connection. You know, the dating service over in San Fernando? They do, like, VHS dating? Have you heard this thing? I've never heard such crazy talk. That's weird. Who would date through a VHS? It is very strange, I must admit. Kids these days and the technology, am I right? I'm going to need each of you to give me a charm roll, please. I needed a 15, I rolled a 93. I needed a 20, and I rolled a 35, so I failed less. I guess uh, if that's all you have, uh, thanks for the help. We really appreciate your time, and again, sorry for sorry for your loss. It's no bother. I'm, I'm very happy to meet new people, and you boys look like uh, you're really interested in this, huh? Yeah, I mean, how can you not? I mean, we're living right out here in Hollywood. I mean, you, you gotta have film love, you know? Boys, there is such a thing called foreign film. I mean, if you want to expand your mind, you probably don't want to think about Luigi boards and 
mediums and all that nonsense. I think it's just kind of, I guess, romantic that maybe nobody's ever really seen this film but us. And it'd be kind of cool to, to put it all together and, and watch it. I see. So it's only part of a film? Yeah, we only have one reel. Yeah, we found a single, uh, had a number nine on the side, I believe it was. I wish you all the luck. Thank you so much. We really appreciate all your help. No problem. Feel free to stop by anytime and uh, let Eugene know I said hello. I certainly will. Uh, if you do happen to find anything about this, though, uh, you know, just on the off chance, um, send it on over to, to Odeon Studios with Eugene. He can uh, he can get it to us from well, there. I certainly will, Mr. Diego. Yeah, I want to take a shot here and see if we can't make it up to Mr. Love Connection in San Fernando. Yeah, I don't think we should drink, but yeah, let's go. All right, uh, hold on tight there, kitten. Maybe get some hot dogs. Oh, yeah, I guess you guys are getting a little hungry, aren't you? Yeah, that's a good idea. Stop at a gas station, and we're going to fill up the mini bike and then uh, grab us a couple of just hot dogs off the rollers, you know. Yeah, ketchup and mustard, or what do, what do you want? Yeah, I'll, I'll have the works. I'm going to come out with two fully loaded hot dogs. All right, yeah, so you guys fill up on hot dogs and are leaning up against the mini bike outside the gas station, wolfing them down just as quickly as possible. And this black 1962 Cadillac rumbles into the gas station, belching gray smoke from its tailpipe. The windows tinted, pulls up into a parking spot just... 20 feet from you. Man, what I wouldn't do for a ride like that, huh? Although you can't see the interior, you both feel as though somebody is watching you from inside. Step you take, every breath, they'll be watching you. It's Sting! Shit. And you finish your hot dogs while this Cadillac is idling next to you. Maybe we should hurry up and get going, don't you think? Yeah, um, I'm I'm good if you are. I'm just going to take a minute to look at the license plate and uh, try and commit it to memory. Ben, that's when you notice Diego freeze in place. Stock still staring at the license plate. His jaw slowly drops open. And then the Cadillac in a roar peels out of the gas station. And yet, Diego still stands there, looking into the empty space. Diego! Diego! What's... what are you doing? I'm gonna go over and grab him. He's not responding. He looks at you, Ben, with a blankness to his face. And then he looks back to where the car was, and then glances back down the road where it left. And, Diego, you're pretty sure that the license plate was personalized and it said C-M-P-H-L-L-N-D and there was a bumper sticker on the bumper that said wake up you're not dreaming this has been tape 3 of K-17 Seance 9 Today's episode was brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Thank you to all those folks out there. Do you want to drop us a letter from beyond? Please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime to fill out our contact form. 
Subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. And thank you for listening, as always, to the Lovecraft Tapes. If you like what you heard, please consider writing a review on the podcast platform of your choice. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And uh, if anybody knows anything about personalized license plates and uh, old Cadillacs, uh, might be might be helpful if you could, uh, you know, give me that information on either uh, Mastodon or Blue Sky. Uh, you can find me at the Real Weird Kid. And if anyone's got a stash of Crick wine that they want to share, maybe make some rosé. You can drop me a note at my Linktree. Linktree slash Lupine Vendetta, all one word. And if anybody, anybody can find me a helmet that fits, please reach out to me by screaming, I have a helmet, come get it! Until next time, roll for Rosé. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2024. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.